Welcome to the Autism Mommies Potty Talk Podcast. I'm Michelle B. Rogers, Autism Mom and Life Coach. I help parents of children with autism who are pre-verbal to start communicating and potty train, guaranteed. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, this is Michelle B. Rogers here. I hope you're enjoying our uh, podcast recordings. I've never done anything like this before. It's kind of fun. Uh, it's kind of uh, foreign. <laughs> so I'm just going to jump right in here. Okay, so um, I thought we would start talking about um, uh, skills for independence. So let's say you are newly diagnosed or you've been in this club for a while. You have a child with autism that's been either newly diagnosed with autism or you've been here for a while and you've seen, you know, maybe your progress has been stagnant and you're, you want to reshuffle the deck. You want to, let's get going. Let's focus on what I need to, to help my baby. And a lot of the times when I thought about me back in the day when this happened to me, it was like, okay, we have this diagnosis and what do we want to work on first? And, um, the first thing I did, the first thing I was thinking at that time was like, I need to find somebody who can tell me the path, tell me what to do and what, what steps to take and what, where I should focus and, and what I should be asking and, and what kind of therapies I should be putting in front of her. And, um, that's another reason why I do what I do. Cause Nobody was, I couldn't find anybody to do that for me. And I even had it in my head down to like the dollar amount. I think I said I would spend $5,000 or something like that. And I had, no, I had no money back then. I would spend $5,000 if somebody could just tell me what path to take for my girl. She's diagnosed. I don't know what to do. I need to help her. Time is so valuable. I always see time as currency for our babies on the spectrum. So I always even believe that back at day one and you want to be so careful on how you spend that currency and then um i said okay you know what do i need to do and i remember thinking in my head i'd spend five thousand dollars for a qualified whoever (laughs) to tell me what to do to help my baby and at the end of the day if some if i had actually found someone they said the price was 10 i probably would have found the money because i was so desperate i had no idea what to do. It's like a chicken with its head cut off. I had no idea what direction to turn. Here we are diagnosed. I'm panicking. I'm scared and terrified, all the things, and I had no idea where to go. So this episode is going to be specifically to teach you where you should start. So um, I um, followed many people in this world of autism. There are so many great uh, therapists, uh, teachers, mentors. Um, I love uh, Temple Grandin. She's um, an example. She is a adult living with autism. She's a scientist. She's a professor. Um, I believe she has her PhD and she also is a woman with autism who lives an amazing life with autism. So I've always considered her such an amazing mentor. I do love Mary Barbara. She um, wrote a book I read immediately after um, my daughter was diagnosed called The Verbal Behavior Approach. She is an amazing tactical boss. And um, I remember watching one of her videos and this was later down the line, but this is exactly what we did. And I believe in this as well. And if we want to, if we want to shoot for the stars for our babies and we want to have, um, the best shot at an independent life, you need, uh, foundational skills. And there's three foundational skills, um, that Mary quoted. And I, I invested in this too, that will lead your child to have this life of independence. And the first one, 
is potty training. And boy, <laughs> potty training's my jam. I am the potty whisperer. I can potty. Tra- I- I'm potty training my cats right now. That's how my- that's how confident I am in my potty training skills. I have. N- there is not one child that has come through my group coaching program. And I'm pointing to my wall here because I have pictures of all the babies um, from all the families that are in my group coaching program. There is not one child that has left my 90 day program without being potty trained. Meaning that if you you came to me, one of your goals is potty training. We worked on potty training. You didn't leave my program without that happening. So potty training, which is one of the three foundational skills, that is my jam. So why is potty training like mandatory? One of the mandatories. Um, we'll go over that in a minute. Let me tell you the three first, and then we'll go through each individually. The second one as uh, communication skills. And this does not mean they have to be verbal. Big, big disclaimer here. We, as gen pop people, general population people, put communication and verbal as the same thing. We think they mean the same thing, and they don't. They're actually quite different, and one really can't live without the other and vice versa. We want our children to be able to communicate, and it doesn't need to be verbal, So that's your second foundational skill to have a chance in an independent life. And then the third one is we want to make sure that there is no problem behavior or minimal problem behavior, you know, like tantrums, like the, you know, a neurotypical child could have a tantrum here and there, but like we don't want excessive problem behavior. And this one I added on, but I think she might have said this too, I'm not sure, uh, can sit and attend as well. And it's like, wow, these are like, the things, these, if you can get these things, your chances for your child to have an independent life increase dramatically. And we're going to kind of break down each one and why it's so important. So the first one is potty training. I love this one. It wasn't my first aha for me. My first aha for me was communication. Um, but potty training is probably about 80% of my families come to me. <laughs> They pay for the program, a 90-day program to learn and get support around all things autism, but they would be happy and delighted to me to take their money in exchange for never, you know, being able to never have to change a shit or piss diaper again. So, um, 80% of my families come in like, I need to potty train this kid. This kid's three, five, seven, 25, 31. We need to get the, we're done, man. We want out of diapers. And one of the things I want to put out there, and I'm sure, you know, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this, but I don't really give a shit, is that most, if not all, children and adults on the spectrum, if they are ambulatory, if, I always say this to my families too, can they use a fucking iPad? Because if they can use an iPhone or an iPad, they can be potty trained. And people are like, uh, uh, how could you, you know, you can't say that. Da, da, da. Yeah, I fucking can. Because we've taught, we've, we've taught hundreds of children and adults, all with various degrees of autism in the sense of like the severity of their symptoms of autism. And and I've, and I've pulled my BCBAs and ever and they've got years combined, like 30 years of combined experience along with my nine or whatever years I've had. And uh, we have not come across a, a child or an adult we can't potty train. We have so many examples of how it can be done. If they are ambulatory and they can use a fucking iPad, <laughs> you need a baseline. If your kid can use a fucking iPad, they can potty train. So let's, so that I know is going to, you know, love or hate me. That's what I believe. I know it for a fact. Uh, There's not one family. I'm like, you know what? 
we've been working on this for 90 days and it's just it's not in the cards for your kid here's your money back and I'll give you your money back <laughs> I'll give them their money back if I don't do it but I've never not done it and this is why because if you're sitting here and you're working on it with me and I believe that if your child can have all of these certain skills like I had a mom who said like oh I just I don't even know if he could do this but he could read out of a book I mean, he can read like page, 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 read out of a book. But I just, I don't think he's going to get the concept that, you know, pee and shit go here. No, no, it's, it's not going to happen. Bro. I remember thinking, man, like, what? Huh? He can fucking probably read better than me. And you're telling me he can't, can't take a pee and shit in the pool, in the toilet? That's thought check, thought check. That's what's going on in your head, mommy. This child is very, very smart. I've had parents come to me and say, you know what? They'll pee on the potty, no problem. And, um, but uh, when they want to take a shit, they ask for the pull-up. Or they get it themselves. They go in the bathroom. They take the dump. And then they call the parent to come and clean them up. But that child, I, I, don't, I just don't see it. It's, it's, no, nah, I don't think they're ever going to get it. <laughs> They've created the toilet in their pull-up. Okay? So, yeah. If they can um, manually pull up their underpants because they don't want to. Who wants to sit and shit underwear? Not me, right? Not them either. Go run and grab a pull-up. Put that on. Shit in the pull-up. And then have you come and clean it. And you're thinking that, I don't know. I don't know if they could figure out that that's got to go in the toilet. Bullshit. <laughs> Pun intended. Anyway. So, the reason why this is one of the foundational skills, and I'm sure I, I, this probably goes without saying, is that there are a lot of activities or a lot of things in life that require you to be potty trained. And as adults that are, you know, potty trained and we're neurotypical, we take this for granted because, you know, we think about like, well, how important is it? Well, as an adult that has to change those shit diapers of this uh, 3, 5, 10, 21 year old, you know that it really impacts the quality of life for you. It'll impact the quality of life for your child. There'll be things that they won't be able to do. There'll be programs that maybe they won't be able to get into unless they're potty trained. We've had I, this mom that I was telling you about who her son like would read like pages and books um, was being held in a very um, a class that he was behind in academically because the class that he belonged in requires potty training. So it was just a good example of how potty training is holding this child back from moving forward in his educational in his in his education because he, he to go on to a, a classroom that's teaching more complicated things he has to be body trained so that's just one example there also just in general like if i want if i'm looking towards independence and my child or my you know adult child can't master this how are they going to live alone how are they going to live with minimal support it's it's impossible and think about the task yeah, I know you don't have to think about it. If you're in this club, I get it. You know what it feels like to change a shit diaper of uh, uh, cons day in and day out. I always think about, like, you know, if we want independence one day, who's going to change that shit diaper if you ain't around? So it's just one of these things that is so uncomfortable in a sense. I think this is probably why I've become the potty whisperer. And it's funny because, you know, I, I came in here. I'm like, I'm going to teach parents all the things about autism I did not think. <laughs> I'd be spending 80% of my time in the toilet. But that's fine. I love it. I love it. I love I love it. We're going to pie train my cats. It's going to be great. Uh, but what I'm saying here is that 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 uh, the reason why the, this is probably the first thing, and it's so important, is because it's so, it, it, so life-limiting, 
in the in the experiences that you have as a family is in experiences um, that your child can have as well. And we actually have an example that I've that I've shared a few times of um, a woman who potty trained at the age of 21. And this is such an interesting, I don't want to go off on a super tangent here, but it was such an interesting example because her family had tried to potty train her over the years several times. And they told all their friends and family, you know, it's just, it's not in the cards for her. She can't, she can't do it. She's too, too, too autistic, severely autistic, whatever the label was that they gave her. And then, um, in the special education community, um, depending on your state, most kids can stay in a school placement until the age of 21. And this woman was in this school placement until the age of 21. Her parents lined up a beautiful, beautiful uh, school for her to transition to for adults. And they're getting everything ready. And she's about to graduate from the one school, going to this school. And I don't know how it happened, but somebody dropped the ball and said, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 what? She's in diapers? She can't come here. And the parents like, what do you mean? We, we, we already paid the deposit and we, we, we want the school. We looked everywhere and she has to come here. No, no. What are you talking about? No, no. It's clear in our manual or whatever. I, I don't know how this got overlooked, but she cannot come here if she's not potty trained. And then all of a sudden, she, 21 years old, in diapers up until that point, was potty trained by her parents. And this is such a good example of, of the mind. And I keep coming back to this. I spoke about it in the last episode of speaking about it today. Is that up until that point, her parents thought it wasn't in the cards for this child to potty train. Until their why became so compelling that they had no choice. That if they wanted to go to this beautiful school that they had picked out for her to transition to, she had to be potty trained. So now in their minds, it shifted. Their thoughts shifted from, it's not in the cards, she can't potty train. We've tried a hundred times, it's just, you know. They tried a hundred times and quit. This time around, their thought has to change, because otherwise she can't get into that school. And then what's going to happen to her? That's what they're thinking. So in their head, they're like, we have to make this work. And now, we she's potty trained at 21. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that, that she, all of a sudden at 21, oh, I got it now. All these years, I went, it wasn't landing, but now all of a sudden it's landing? No. Her parents didn't believe that she could do it. So it never happened. So they always quit. But when they wanted her to get into the school, and there was no other option, she either had to be potty trained or she couldn't come here, their reasoning, their compelling why was big enough that they had to change their thinking and, and make it happen. This, this this example always like blows my mind because this poor family was changing shit diapers till 21 when she could have potty trained all along. But they had decided in their head that it probably wasn't in the cards for her until they needed it to be in the cards for her. Now, I don't want anybody here to make decisions based on that. I want you all to make decisions based on I choose to potty train because uh, it, potty training is not optional in this household. I choose to potty train because if I want my child to have an independent life, when I'm listening to Michelle and that's one of the three, this has to happen no matter what. And autism is not going to stop it from happening. My thoughts about autism are not going to stop it from happening. I certainly don't want my brain with my shitty thoughts rolling around in it stopping my child from gaining this important life skill. One third of the foundational skills needed for independence.
So that's why potty training is so important. And I want to share that example because it gets so powerful to realize like how amazing our mind can be and also how dangerous it can be. This isn't my quote. I think it was a uh, Brianna. I don't want to, I don't want to, I think her name was Brianna. Anyway, she said the mind is like a furnace. It can either warm your house or burn it down. And this whole example is, is a good example of that. Didn't even mean to get off on the tangent, but it's important to explain why pie training is a third of the foundational skills. The second one is communication. So why is that so important? That one makes more, I think that one makes a lot of connections for all of us, right? We have to be able to have conversations, communicate wants and needs to be able to progress in life. And that does not need to be verbal. There's plenty of examples. I think over the last year, there was a valedictorian in Florida that was nonverbal. I actually don't like to say nonverbal. I like to say pre-verbal, but she calls herself nonverbal, so I'm gonna honor that. And she she talks through a communication device. She is going to have a career. She can be independent, and she is not verbal. Now I know we're all when we think of communication skills, we're all dying for the verbal, and we work really hard on that in, in group. But the, I don't start anybody like who's got a child that is pre-verbal. Great, let's start working on strategies to get them to, to get them to be verbal. No, I don't fucking do that because it's because I believe communication is more valuable, especially if if you want to have verbal at some point. So for me, in in, in my experience. Even with my own daughter, I wanted to hear her voice so bad. I was like, oh, therapist, tell me what we want got to do. I want to hear her voice. I'm willing to do anything. They're like, great. Let's teach her pecs. <laughs> and if you know what pecs are, it's picture exchange system where you basically have a book with all these things that she always asks for. And you and if you prompt her to, to pull the picture out of what she wants. And then you give her the item. And I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with, with verbal? <laughs> I want to hear her voice. And they're like, no, no, this is the path. And I'm like, well, I just don't understand. Like, you know, how is this going to teach her? You're not even trying to get sounds out of her. You're just, they're like, listen, it's the path. I, you know, I didn't even understand it back then. I was really like confused. But like, I, at that point, I got out of my shit storm in my head. I was in denial for a while. I was grieving this neurotypical childhood that I was getting robbed of. I got all past all that bullshit. And I'm like, all right, let's get to work. And they're like, great. We're going to teach her how to, how to use a, a book with pictures. And I'm like, what the fuck does that have to do with verbal? But now I understand. And studies are out there to squash the crazy moms like me who are like, why would I even do that? It's We're not even working on making sounds. Is that if um, the majority of children who learn a bridge form of communication, whether it be sign language, PECs, or communicate through an AAC device, those children have an even stronger chance of developing language, actual verbal language in the future. So I was, I was all in. I didn't understand it. That's what they wanted to do. And then when we started with the pecs, one of Juliana's stims is she'd take, she'd dump out all the toys in her toy bin and she'd take them and she'd like twist them in her hands like crazy. And uh, she started doing that with the pecs pictures, trying to show her like, all right, you want Cheerios or hand over hand, showing her where the picture is. And then we give her the cheer. And she's just like, as soon as you hand her the, the, the picture, she's just like, just, you know, stimming out on it. And her hands are like moving. So I'm like, guys, this ain't working because she's just stimming on the actual cards. So then I had made the decision. Based on what I saw, I'm not in, I'm not a special education. Like we gotta do something else. We'll be spinning our wheels with this for a while because she's just so fixated on 
on spinning the card and not using it functionally. So then we decided, I said, let's try sign language. And I was really scared. In fact, I think sign language was the first suggestion and I shit on it because I didn't. I was really scared of sign language because I was like, sign language, she's never going to talk. Like if she starts signing, why would she ever talk? And I'm still, even to this day, trying to explain in words what I saw when she learned sign language. And that, you know, it is natural for our neurotypical brains to assume that if they sign that they'll never talk because, like, why would they ever use their voice if they could just get what they need with their hands? But it was such a fascinating thing to watch. It was almost like, this is the fact of it, is that it brought my baby back to me. It was the first thing that brought her out of her, her world and brought her back to me and it brought a relationship, started to build back our relationship as mother and child again and the reason that was um was that first off she learned 10 signs like within a week <laughs> it was insane and um we made our own signs we didn't go we, we took some signs from american sign language but we actually uh because she was so little we modified them to like hand gestures she could use if you actually look at like real sign language it's super fancy finger movements i don't even know if i could do it and uh so we said you know we wanted to give her 10 signs for things that she asked for every day and we made the t signs super intentional so i think this means more in uh, when you put your little hands together and you squeeze your little nails from both hands because if you're just listening you can't see what i'm doing but if you just does you know kind of pushing your hands together you um that means more in american sign which i fucking hate more and please and and, and give me and all that crap i want to be very intentional with every sign i taught her so we actually made that sign for cookie <laughs> and we did like a sign for cookie ipad her bottle um tv going outside uh potty we had a bunch of different signs for her and as she learned them so fast it was just blew my mind so i just want to say signs is your representation of communication and you're going to take it to the next level when um they learn that bridge form of communication so that's either signs um pecs which is the picture exchange system i talked about and then um and i and a, a a aac device so an aac device is like is like signs on um it's like the pictures on an ipad um app and then when they hit the picture for the certain things it makes the signs so it uh, makes the signs excuse me it makes the sounds so second foundational skill needed for a, a chance at a life of independence is communication if you work on communication from that aspect and build it up from there your chances of a vocal child are they increase at such an exponential rate bridge form fluently first and then we can start to think about are they creating sounds great are they repeaters i love repeaters because repeaters mean that they can actually create words with their with their voice now we just need to shape that behavior into a functional language so that's the second one and then the third one obvious i think this one becomes again more obvious is the um not having so much problem behavior now the third one kind of ties with communication because nine times out of ten a child gets aggressive bites kits kicks punch screams um tantrums because they can't communicate what they need and they get frustrated and if you think about it for a child that has no other form of communication that type of uh behavior 
probably serves many well because nobody wants to hear a screaming kid. Nobody wants a kid hitting them, biting them, punching them, whatever. So they kind of get that behavior reinforced by our response to it. So obviously, um, we handle all of these kinds of things in my program, but these are the top three that we work on. And we start here, and then we can build out. And um, it's really fascinating, because for me, I didn't know this at the time. I had listened uh, to Mary had said this at um, another time. I, I think I'd heard it in a workshop or something she had said. And I was doing this automatically and now when I think about all of our kids that have seen progress in the program these are the things we work on 80 percent of them we're working on potty training first then we can start working on communication and um and the problem behavior usually kind of extinguishes on its own or it starts to become less and less and less because the communication so tied to it so I just wanted to share this today. I hope this was helpful. If you have any questions, you can uh, reach out to us on our website, michellebrogers.com. -E but um, I think that if you're looking for a starting point and you didn't know where to go, this is an excellent place to start. Potty training, communication. Don't obsess on the verbal. I know we, we, we have that desire. Don't obsess on it yet. And reducing that aggressive or problem behavior. I hope this was helpful. See you in the next episode. If you're ready to help your baby now with potty training, communication, or stopping their problem behaviors, I want to invite you to watch my free 10-minute video training that shows you how I took my daughter with autism from pre-verbal to sign language, potty training with a sign, to making sounds and then speaking. Head over to michellebrogers.com forward slash training. That's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, B as in boy, Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S dot com forward slash training. See you there.